0: First, I I just want to say a few things uh, about my recent uh, trip. Joe and I, and also Beverly Bryant from this congregation, have just returned from a dozen days in Iceland. We got in late Friday evening. Well, it was 5 a.m. Saturday morning in Iceland by the time we met our Uber driver at SFO. The people of Iceland are an upbeat and sternly independent people, yet they are routinely and widely friendly and helpful, generous in spirit, able to laugh easily. They are casually tough and hearty in body and spirit, yet they live in an environment that, while startlingly beautiful and dramatic, is amazingly a challenge and a small package of danger and extravagant extremes. These people live with cold and wind and ferocious weather of all sorts. Under their feet are dozens of active volcanoes. Down their mountains course magnitudes of powerful waterfalls and streams. Their ground is marshy or it is rock. Valleys inside of the capital city are glacial. The brief summer respite covers the world with vegetation with quick flowers, tiny berries proliferating the self-contained island uses one of the oldest languages in the world that has barely evolved from the 6th or 7th century. They do not want borrowings from other tongues, though they universally speak most of the European languages. They are proud without acting superior, but they do boast of having the world's oldest parliament, the all thing, and keep that original meeting location set apart as a kind of national park. Those of us who studied Old English will find some familiar looking words, but of course we never heard any native speaker of Old English. We no longer recognize that ancient version of our old language. Beowulf starts out, What way are Dana in Jair Few Americans, but possibly many Icelanders, might immediately know it said, So once upon a time we spear Danes, Our amazingly well-informed and charming guide spoke excellent and colloquial English, also German, French, and Spanish. She taught us only a few phrases, and we learned even those with mixed success. Ask Joe if you want a brief lesson. (laughs) I mention this today because our lessons so clearly speak of the necessity of making choices, difficult ones. And my visit to Iceland was, has demonstrated, albeit on an entirely different scope, the necessity of making a choice, however challenging and sticking with it under duress. The people of Iceland demonstrate how a whole people can remain loyal to a difficult promise and how a whole people can share the beauty and discipline of a way of life that most people on earth would find nearly impossible. And so, when I went back to our lessons today, I saw that they too were all about decision-making. In the passage from Jonah, we hear, choose this day whom you will serve. In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul, speaking of the evil day that is to come, admonishes the Christians of Ephesus to take up the armor of God. And Jesus, in the Gospel of John, advises those who believe his teachings are too challenging To make a decision to stay with him knowing what he asked of them or to leave and travel on an easier path. These are the promises and teachings that every Christian has to decide to follow or to abandon. Many of us probably turn toward and then back many times. Following the simple but enormously challenging gospel that Jesus preaches is very difficult indeed. Not many can sustain it for even a short time. Yet, we are among those who have taken a pledge of a very serious sort to try. In our culture now, probably you are among a minority in your acquaintances of, who are even trying to love God and your neighbors within the context of the church. Those simple directives are overwhelming much of the time for all of us. But we have made a promise We have declared, or it was declared for us at our baptism, that we would renounce evil, recognize the dignity of every human being, be known as followers of Jesus. That's why we're here today. Other aspects of being in this community of faith are also strong reasons. Having a community, being cared for when we're in need, the beauty of the liturgy, the music. But this community of faith would not exist if it were not pledged to supporting us in our attempts to honor the Christ and to honor the humanity of all persons. Apparently, even people who followed the person Jesus in the first century and not just his ideas century li- later, as we do, found it too challenging. And in today's gospel, Jesus is telling them that they must decide. Many left him and went home or on to another teacher whose lessons was perhaps easier to follow or they returned to some other faith, what T.S. Eliot called the old dispensations, but a loyal band of followers remained. And Simon Peter's question to Jesus resounds in today's lesson. Lord, to whom can we go? Indeed, this is the question we all have to answer probably over and over. Where can we go if we reject Jesus? Please don't mistake me, I'm not trying to discredit other belief systems, But I do wonder what feeds the souls of those who live in no tradition of faith. Many are kind and generous. Many work to help the poor and the sick. Many try to save the earth, the air, the oceans. But the guiding principles for these things may be random or disparate. We all know good people who do not adhere to the life Jesus told us to live. And there is no reason to dislike or mistrust them. Doubtless, among such are friends and family. It's not part of the teachings of Anglicanism to discredit those without organized religion. It once was, of course, and the history of intolerance and self-righteous cruelty is clear. But I like to believe that our part of the church in the 21st century can continue to teach that all of humanity is made up of our neighbors. No one should be an alien. No one should fear those who are a different race or color or language or age. Peter's question is still the question we all must ask and all must answer when we feel doubt, when we fear the future, when we look around us at those who prosper in an environment totally devoid of faith. To whom can we go? Paul, when he wrote to the Christians at Ephesus uses military terms, metaphors that sound more violent than I like to espouse, but he makes his point and his view of his own environment is eerily modern. He writes, our struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers that, of this present darkness. And he advises the Ephesians to fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness. Take the shield of faith and quench the flaming arrows of the evil one. It's clear that Jesus is warning his closest disciples that being his follower is not follower is not easy. I suppose the old adage holds here, if it were easy, it wouldn't be valuable. Living as modern disciples of Jesus and his commandments is not easy. But we are trying. My mother used to say, do your best, the angels can do no more. I don't think she realized that this was frightening advice for a young person. And possibly even more frightening for an old person. What is our best? How can we be sure that we're doing enough? thinking the right thoughts, offering the most help. Could we do more, do better, think more clearly, be more faithful every hour, every day, every year? Well, of course we can't, know, But here we are in this place made holy by worship, by the prayers of generations of people who came together here to form a community dedicated to the beauty of worship, the warmth of human love, the safety of friends, and the opportunity to eat together the holy meal. If we then go out of this place to take care of ourselves, to give help and friendship to those outside, to protect and defend those who have no safety or shelter or sustenance, we're making a start to be followers of Jesus, the Christ. We can take comfort in those times when we sense the peace of his words and his presence. We can give thanks for all those around us. We can try always to carry his teachings out from this place into the world. If we are challenged and feel too weak to stay the course, we're not alone, to waver in our attendance, in our belief, in our hope for the rightness of the Christian message is the experience of all of us, except perhaps the saints. But our God is forgiving and we can try again. Jesus always says, welcome back. So let's vow to emulate Peter when he says to Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. You are the Holy One of God. To whom else can we go? Amen.